A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we'll be discussing where do we go from here? What do things look like post-pandemic? First of all, let's welcome to the podcast, Natalie, our producer and marketing director. Natalie, good morning. Good morning. I've had my coffee as well, Mike. All right. We're all juiced up, caffeinated up. And Matt, Matt, you got your caffeine going this morning? I do. I'm not quite as excited as you guys, but I'm ready to go. It's excited to be alive and looking forward to the end of this pandemic. You know, Matt, as advisors here at Mach 1, we get a lot of questions like, what do you think the market's going to do? What, what, what do you see coming forward? So we thought, you know what? Let's go ahead and do a podcast on that. And again, this is just topic, general information. And Matt, Natalie, and I will tell you, we don't know where the market's going. But we'll give you some indicators what it looks like it could be going. Okay, Matt, so let's start off. Before we can figure out where we're going, let's talk about where we've been, where we've come from. Yeah, so a lot happened in 2020, obviously, with COVID and the market. We saw a big market drop you know, starting in February of last year, going through through March. Um, but now we're at all-time highs, right? The market keeps climbing. The last couple months have been a little bit more muted, up some more ups and downs, which I think is in a lot of ways kind of positive to see. But, uh, but we're definitely, I mean, all-time highs, market keeps growing. If you go back to what happened in, in 2020, then the February, March kind of crash, I guess you'd call it, the market dropped 30 plus percent in 22 days, the fastest drop since the Great Depression. So depending on what you mean when you say, you know, the market, a lot of times people are referring to the S&P 500. I think the S&P 500 was down like 35 percent, 34, 35. The Russell 2000, I think, was down close to like 42 or 43 percent from peak to trough, um, you know, in February, March of last year. So the the idea of that happening in a few weeks is pretty um it's it's unbelievable, really. I mean, even though we just went through it, it's still kind of unbelievable to think the market almost got you know got cut in a third, nearly in half, if you look at the Russell 2000, in less than a month. So Matt, what that means then, if if you had a hundred thousand dollars invested in twenty two days, it turned into seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think there were a lot of people who were impacted by this because if you if you go back. Over the last decade, what's been one of the most popular investment philosophies, it's been indexing, paying low fees for simple investing and just buying the S&P 500 index or the Russell index or the NASDAQ composite. And that's great when things are going well, but those people felt every bit of that pullback um, during that February, March. And what we might get into it a little bit here later on, but what matters is, you know, obviously the kind of argument to that is, well, the market recovered in the next few months and we made all that back up. Well, that's great. But did, did you have the behavioral discipline? Did you stay invested? Cause I know a lot of people didn't, if you're doing it yourself, you don't have a, a financial counselor, financial advisor. It's, it's not a matter of what the market did. It's a matter of, did you stay the course? Did you stay invested? And did you fully recover? You know, a lot of people were talking about what type of a recovery would we see? Would we see a V-shaped recovery? Would we see a Y-shaped recovery? You know, A, B, C, D recovery. Well, we did recover. You know, that dropped it, that 30% drop 
Well, right away, the NASDAQ came back and surpassed its all-time high in May. The S&P surpassed its all-time high in August. And the Dow Jones Industrial, it lagged a little bit. It surpassed its all-time high in November. So we had this tremendous drop. And then we had this tremendous comeback all in the same year. Uh, so we got a few things here that may have caused a lot of that drop. You know, tell us what they are, Matt. Yeah, I mean, obvious. I think the most, you know, um, obvious one is COVID, right? That was the knee-jerk reaction. Oh, that was the what caused the knee-jerk reaction in the market. Um, is just this unknown? Is are we really going to lock down the global economy and everything come to a screeching halt? Well, obviously. I don't think anyone would expect the market to react favorably to that kind of situation. So that was the knee jerk. But there were other things on the horizon. I mean, everything from the U.S. standpoint, I think we were in a pretty good spot economically. Jobs were good. Um, but you do have, you know, we've been on a 10, 20 year tear with bond bonds. Um, you know, rates have been slowly trickling down to zero, which um, can't last forever. And the bond market has been very muted for a very long period of time. There's a lot of risk with borrowing, you know, people and companies over leveraging, borrowing too much money. Um, oil is a constant. There's a lot of volatility in oil and just a thing. So you, you put several of these things together and just kind of the normal volatility that you have in the market, especially when things are going well and we're hitting all time highs. And then you just drop a global pandemic in on it you know, it's kind of the perfect recipe for a, a volatile period. To add to that COVID piece, and, and that is the main driver of it, but some of the things it caused, I mean, I mean, the economy got shut down. I mean, a lot of places just said, stay home. You know, we have a large employer here right down the street that I think it was March 13th. They said, hey, you guys go home. Now they're still getting paid, but a lot of folks had zero income. Right. Some cities like New York, you hear it now, that they still are pretty much shut down even now, a year later. So you have all of that. And then, hey, nobody could travel. Cruise ships docked. You couldn't get on an airplane and go outside the country. So, I mean, everything just, just er, come to a screeching halt. So, yeah, the market is going to react negatively to that. Okay. So now that's where we were. We know what's happened since then. So, where do we think markets are going to go? What What's the current outlook, Matt? From Matt's point of view, where's the current outlook? Yeah, I actually just had this conversation with with clients that were in the office just 10 minutes ago. And we were talking about this very thing and how the fact that I am not a fan of, of forecasts. I, I always chuckle when I see, you know, um, oh, we think the S&P will be at this level at the end of this year. You know, that's great. I mean, you know, you can read it, you can, but trying to make decisions and give financial advice based on of that off of that, I think is, is pretty silly in my opinion. <laughs> um, the markets are forward looking, right? The market is trying to anticipate what's coming. It's not, it's not letting things come to fruition um, and then doing its research and then pricing it in. It's trying to get ahead of things, right? So it's trying to look at forward looking of what's going on in the economy, what's going on with these companies. That's why you see earnings with companies either sometimes call cause big jumps or big drops because there's been there's been a lot that's already been priced in and if that company doesn't meet those expectations you know then you see the volatility in that that individual stock so i think what the outlook is is you know things 
economically actually seem to be moving along, picking up. I know there's still this segment of the mar- of the econ- of the economy and of the people that have been devastated, like you said, in the travel industry. And we need to continue to help those people and bring them along as quickly as we can and get back to normal. But overall, I mean, people are spending money. You know, stimulus is being passed. There's a new one probably around the corner. Um, so I think from that standpoint, everything seems to look pretty good. Um, I think the hardest thing for people is going to get back to, because things have been so good for so long, the idea that the market producing a long-term rate of return of 7 or 8% is really good, and that's kind of historically what we should expect. It's going to be hard for people to think that and accept that when they've been used to getting 10, 12, 15% a year for the last five to 10 years. And then, you know, they look back and I know our clients, you know, we've had a really good year or two performance wise, just knowing that this isn't repeatable on a 12 month basis year after year forever. And during last year, you know, if, if you worked in the service industry, we talked about travel and things like that. I mean, you got hammered, but a lot of people, fairly wealthy people, they actually prospered last year and so now they even have more money to invest and so if you've got more money chasing investments the chances of those investments going up is good and interest rates where are interest rates right now yeah i mean not as low as they were a few months ago but still really low i mean it it, they're close to zero you can get up we had a mortgage person in yesterday i mean between two and three percent you can get a mortgage that's unheard of Right. And the Federal Reserve, you know, they're still providing money to buy stocks and bonds, driving up the prices. If you got the government competing with you to buy these things, I mean, the prices are going to go up. And, you know, when this COVID thing gets done, I mean, we, you know, we have clients, they can't, they're itching to get back out and travel. They want to go. I've got a client, Matt, that, um, that they had a cruise plan for 2022. And the cruise line called them and said, sorry. That cruise has been chartered now. Somebody chartered the entire ship. Sweet. And they had to cancel theirs, and they're working to rebook it. Wow. So there's pent-up demand for travel. So the outlook absolutely does look good. Yeah. I think there's – I'm jumping ahead a little bit because you had a note on this later, but um, a lot of money being in money markets and savings, a lot of cash being on the sidelines. So there's two sides of this coin, and I, this is one I think about a lot because – I was reading an article the other day. The, the bullish signal to that for the market is there's a lot of money that's not even been put to work yet, right? There's tr- literally trillions of dollars that could that's sitting on the sidelines that could still come into the market and continue to help things move along um, from a stock market standpoint. The opposite side of that is the inflation interest rate mm. argument because this, ar- this article I was reading was talking about TINA. The Tina stock market effect and Tina being there is no alter there is no alternative. Interest rates are zero. All you can do is invest in the market. There you go. It's the only place you can put money to get a return. Well, if if interest if inflation picks up, if interest rates starts to come along, you know, pick up and you can go get higher rates with annuities, CDs, fixed income products, bonds, those types of things then people aren't going to feel like the only option they have is the stock market. So maybe all of that money doesn't come in. So you can look at it both ways. I think the longer rates stay low, the longer inflation stays muted um, is a good thing, obviously, for the market. And that's because those people can't leave cash in cash forever. And we've seen that here recently with treasuries kind of bouncing up and then people leaving stock to go to treasuries. And that puts a downward pressure 
on the stock market. And we've seen the stock market kind of fluctuating, you know, plus or minus here in the last few days. All right. So we talked about one more positive thing. Uh, This is a statistic I wasn't aware of. 55% of Americans, over half, have some type of exposure to the stock market, whether it be their own personal accounts, 401ks, or things like that. Over half of the people in the country have some exposure to the market. So that was higher than I had expected. Okay, Matt, so we, we see maybe some things look good. What are some things we should watch out for that may be a bearish or causing the market to decline in the near future? I think you can, you could say everything we just said, just say it again. So, I mean, I think there's always two sides of the argument, you know, to the coin and you can make both arguments, you know, inflation rates, like I was just saying, that's, in my opinion, that's the most near term risk, I think, for the market is if inflation got out of hand too quickly. And, you know, if the Fed wasn't able to manage the interest rate environment and um, that, that could be that could be a negative for the markets for sure. And I, but I don't think that has to be a long-term thing. I think it's just people, individuals, consumers, corporations are just, it's going to take them a period of time to, to reevaluate what borrowing money at four or five, 6% might look like, mm. even though historically that's still a very reasonable rate. We've just gotten so used to borrowing money for so cheap. So that's one of the biggest risks. Some of the other risk is just the fact, just the mere fact that, um, we're at all-time highs, right? The market goes through market cycles, so you see pullbacks, some worse than others. Um, you know, is there a bubble built into certain parts of the market? That's always the question. Who knows? You know, we saw that in 08, specific in the mortgage and borrowing um, industry. I think there are sectors in the market looking at, um, you know, some of these big tech companies that are <laughs> likely more overheated than other areas of the market. So um, those are some of the risks that just kind of come to mind that, that I've been talking to people about and, and that I've been getting questions about. Well, Goldman Sachs kind of is in that same camp. They, they feel like a 10% decline looks increasingly likely, uh, but dropping 20% or more is fairly low. So they think there's going to be a little bit of a correction, about 10%. Another article was reading and says, you know what? Last year, everybody went home, had to work from home. They jumped out there and bought all these computers and they bought this office furniture and all this stuff. Well, you don't need to replace that each year. So demand could soften in some of those, like you said, sectors. And again, I I totally believe like you, Matt, this inflation pressure is the watch out I think we really got to pay attention to uh, because it could have some downward effect on the market. Yeah, and inflation, you know, we we talk about, inflation being really low for a really long period of time and people say but wait things have gotten more expensive you know i'm paying more for certain things and that's true and inflation impacts different things different depending on innovation and technology right there's a lot of um, services and different things that we've used over the last 10 to 20 years that are far far cheaper today Mm -hmm. than they were 10 or 20 years ago and that's where you've seen i think because of innovation and technology inflation stay muted where in our day-to-day lives maybe certain things have gotten more expensive so how does the natural um pressure of inflation and rates is that are we able to continue mute to mute that because of innovation and technology and efficiencies um who knows but 
you know, don't be surprised if you pay 50 cents more for your milk when you go to the grocery store. That's just, that's part of it. We're going to go through those ups and downs. Well, and speaking of paying more for milk, there's some other factors that may be affecting the outlook here in 2021 and talking about things going up. I mean, what have you noticed about gas prices, Natalie, here in the last few weeks? They have gone up. Prices have gone up. And I just looked this morning. Um, it's at, in, in where we live here, $2.55 a gallon, and it hadn't been just late last year, it was less than $2 a gallon. So we already see that, and oil prices on the per barrel are hitting $60 plus. So now oil's coming back. But, you know, in a few years, we'll all have electric cars, so it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll no be problem. fine. And there's a lot of factors that I do think, and not getting political, I do think certain decisions from the current administration will impact that. I think we probably see some some of that maybe from the weather in Texas, right? I mean, there's, I don't know, I'm not an oil expert, but there are always different moving parts um, that play into some of these things. I I haven't really noticed the increase in gas yet, but I can tell you when it gets to $3, I'll start to notice. <laughs> okay, so other outlooks. The fourth quarter of last year, here's the shocking number. The economy grew 4% in the fourth quarter. I mean, that'd be a good number for a year, but in a quarter, 4%. So we still see the economy growing here in the U.S. All right. What are some other factors we need to look out for, Matt? Um, we, you know, we talked about oil prices rising, so definitely need to kind of keep our eye on that. Um, you know, the U.S. dollar, how does that you – know, we've been the world reserve currency forever, right? It's been a strong currency that's used around the world. Does that change? How does it change? You know, that's something that we need to be aware of and thinking through. Um, you know, government injecting three trillion in stimulus, two trillion, three trillion, whatever it is, they've already in, in you know, spent a lot of money. You know, so the national debt, um, how is that impacted based on borrowing rates and the, you know the the dollar being the world reserve? Those things are all very intertwined. Um, COVID still, I mean, we're even though it feels like we're coming out of it. I mean, the numbers are down, the vaccines are kind of here, people are getting them you know, that, that could change, right? I mean, it, we, we don't, we don't know. There's still a lot of unknown of, we haven't gone through um, a summer period where we had vaccines, where people have already had the, the, you know, last summer, this was all brand new. So how do we continue to pull out of that in that pandemic? Um, China, the trade war situation with China, n trying to figure out what they're doing. Um, the technology companies, you know, there's a lot of antitrust issues because you see Facebook and Google and Amazon, you know, they're buying companies, they're getting so big. You look at their market cap and they're, you know, one, two trillion dollar companies and their founders are worth a couple hundred billion dollars. Well, you start to get into antitrust issues of how much power and control do these companies have and how does that impact their stock and their stock price if if they make them start breaking up. So um, a lot of other things. Any, anything else on your mind? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, what if COVID does come back? I mean, if we have another resurgent, and then we shut down the economy again. Do we see another 30% drop off? That's a potential for this year. Um, you know, we got renter evictions coming. We've had a moratorium on evictions, but it, sooner or later, you know, either you're going to have to pay up or get evicted or the landlords are going to file bankruptcy. Something's going to happen. These, there's a, some, the, yeah. the piper has to get paid at some point. You know, does the NASDAQ and the S&P and the Dow Jones, do they keep hitting record highs? At some point, that has to level off or go down. It's just natural. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Matt, 
There's $5 trillion, that's with a T, $5 trillion sitting in money markets, making almost nothing. You know, sooner or later, people are going to say, okay, I need to get back in. And what does that do to the market? Does it drive the price up? Does it scare people? We don't know. And the Fed says they're going to keep interest rates low, but what if they don't? What if they change it? I mean, all these things could have a dramatic impact on our outlook. Any other final thoughts, Matt? Well, I think this is why, you know, our overall, not we're not covering this today, but it, it just reiterates the value of our overall philosophy is staying invested, but staying hedged. I mean, you know, managing your downside exposure. There's different ways you can do that. You know, our clients that work with us understand that and know what that looks like. But um, you can't, you know, forecasts are are worthless in my opinion, especially the timing of those, right? My only forecast is I think the market's going to be higher in 10 years than it is today. And I'm going to leave it at that. The timing of those things is, is so impossible. Very good point, Matt. Cause here at Mach one, we do downside protect your investments. And I think that's very important in a crazy market that we're in. And our clients saw the effect of that last year. If you'd like to know more about that, all you got to do is contact us here at Mach one. Uh, we'll have a, link uh, on the show notes and Natalie will make sure we have that. But yeah, we, we can share all that with you. Okay. Let, let's sum this up, Matt, real quick. So you, I, David, none of us know what the future holds in the market. We don't. Okay. But based off the fundamentals and what's going on currently with COVID, with government intervention, it appears that we should have a positive year in 2021. It appears that way. But what could, you know, sideline that? COVID, of course, uh, international, what's going on with China? You know, we just had a few missile attacks over in the Middle East, uh, other political unrest, um, you know, you name it. If somebody were to do something to the capital again, we could see it. Any of those things could have a negative effect on the market. So like Matt said, have a plan, stay invested, be downside protected. And 10 years from now, we think the market will be higher than it is today. Very good point, Matt. All right, folks, this is episode number 40 for the Mach 1 Market Moment. And Natalie's going to share with us how do people share questions or ask a question for of us, Natalie? Yes, you can message us on Facebook. You can go to our website and click on the podcast tab, or you can email us at podcast at Mach1FG.com. We welcome any and all of your questions. Thank you, Natalie. Natalie does a great job producing this show and all the behind-the-scenes work to make it work for us. And by the way, she makes us look good on this podcast. All right. We'd like to end with a thought of the day. This is from Abraham Lincoln. The best way to predict the future is to create it. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.